Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. And as we jump into tonight, we're going to pick up the Gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 1. We left off at verse 15, so tonight is verse 16. But as you guys turn there, if you have your Bible apps or whatever... um, I want to, there's a, there's a statement that we say uh, among the pastoral crew because one of our pastors, um, you know, do you know a guy that just gets mad about everything? It's like, everything just kind of ticks him off. Well, uh, our pastor Don, he's not necessarily, things don't really make him all mad, but he's got a lot of opinions on a lot of things. And so what we, what we say is like, okay, Don, what's grinding your gears today? And, uh, and so I was thinking through this because I just talked to Don yesterday about what grinded his gears about something that just happened, and I was thinking, man, what, what, like, what makes me, what makes me mad? Like one of the, one of those things that just makes me really just irritated and ticked off. Like what grinds my gears? And I immediately knew the answer, and it's warm seats, warm seats. And let me let me explain, let me explain why. Here's here's my reasoning, and you'll never sit on a warm seat the same way again. The reason is because. I know that every human's body runs at about 98.5 degrees, and that's warm. And so when you sit on a seat, which is designed for butts, like every seat is designed for a butt to be in, right? Your butt is all, you're all on a seat. Okay, so when you put your 98-degree butt on a seat, and then you get up off the seat, and then someone else, aka me, sits down on that seat, and it's warm, that means... I am now being warmed by your butt warmth. And it's the grossest thing to me. I hate warm seats, and especially if it's a warm toilet seat. Oh, Lord, help me if it's a Lord. Yeah, because then you know it was a bare butt that was just like right there up in your business. So I hate it. It makes me gag a little bit. And it's so help me. If you go to Shaver this weekend and your one thing is trying to get me to sit in a warm seat, I will kill you. Um, the, other thing, the other thing that grinds my gears is, is when... You order curly fries from Jack in the Box, and you pay the extra 50 cents to get the curly fries from Jack in the Box, but then like a couple regular fries sneak in there and take up the room that the curly fries should have taken, right? Like I paid extra for those. I want the full meal deal. I don't want these extra little junk fries in there, right? That grinds my gears. And um, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm not kidding. Those two things really make me mad. The other thing that really makes me mad and kind of leads into tonight is a phrase that I was told at a really pivotal point of my life, and this was the phrase. The phrase is, you've probably heard it, actually. It's probably been said to you at some point or another. And the phrase is, you're not old enough. Yeah. Has anybody told you're not old enough? Like, I get it. When you go to Disneyland, you're not tall enough to ride the ride, right? That's, that's embarrassing, and that sucks. But have you ever been, like, wanting to do something that you're really excited about? wanting to sign up for something that you really are passionate about, and then someone says, hey, you know what, that's cool, but you're not old enough. I remember in 2010, there was an earthquake in this country called Haiti, and it devastated their capital city of Port-au-Prince. I remember being in ministry at that time at my former church, and I was probably 21 or 22, and I was leading high school, I was an intern for high school ministry. So I remember seeing that happen, 
And I remember immediately being like, we have to do something about that. Like you see the, the images on the news and you, see, you hear stories of people whose lives got destroyed. And I remember thinking, we've got to do something about that. We can't just sit here and watch like another thing happen without us actually springing into action. And I'll, and I'll never forget, I so desperately, I was like, you know what? I went to the elder board. I was like, I want to lead a trip. Like, I don't even care if it's just me going by myself. I'll go by myself. I'll go with whoever wants to go. Will you let us go, to help us go to Haiti right after the earthquake and just jump it and like just do whatever was needed? And I remember my boss coming to me after the board meeting and said, hey, Josh, I got to talk to you. And she said, talked afterwards to all the elders, and we just kind of decided that you're just not old enough. And I'll never forget the, the, the thought that I had because I sat there and I was like, well, that's stupid. I got a stupid reason I'm old enough. Like, I'm 18. I was at least 18. I could vote. I could go to war. I could do a bunch of things. But hey, come on. I, I can't go help people. I'm like, that's stupid. But more than that, what happened was it, someone saying that when I had a desire and a passion and the only reason they shut it down was because I wasn't old enough, it made me think that they thought I was an idiot. Right? Like some of you get it, you know, like you, people think you're stupid or you, you think that people think you're stupid because they say you're not old enough. I'll get to you in a sec. It made me feel like, an, like people thought I was an idiot. It made me feel like small and it kind of made me feel like a little bit belittled. Have you ever been in that spot emotionally where like someone's talking to you about something and you're just like, the conversation is not going well for you and you just want, you're just like, I just feel small, Right? Or have you ever been in a conversation or in a situation and the way it's going, you just, you're, you know that the people that you're talking to, or at least you think, that they think you're, you're incompetent. And it's really a crappy feeling, I gotta be honest with you. And that moment has so powerfully stuck with me over the years, and it's actually been a pivotal moment in my life because from that day on, I decided I would do everything I could, everything in my power, to make sure that I wasn't a person that made someone else feel small. That I wasn't the person that was making people feel belittled or like they thought I, they, I thought they couldn't do something. And this is actually something that leads into where we're going tonight. Um, because when I was younger, I wanted to do something important, but people told me I wasn't old enough for it. And we're going to open the Bible tonight, Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 116, and we're going to see how Jesus approaches people who are kind of in the same life situation. So Mark 16, uh, sorry, <laughs> Mark 116, it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Now, I want to stop right here and just give you, paint the picture a little bit. The Sea of Galilee was this big old lake right in the middle of the desert, and it was in a rural area. There wasn't really a lot going on around it. There were some towns here and there around it, and um, so it was kind of a rural, poor area. And if you were a fisherman, that was just kind of like, that was like the main job that was there. And it was kind of one of those, if you didn't move to the big city and get the, the, the cool deal to work at the awesome place, you kind of just wound up as a fisherman. Very few people were like, you know what I want to be when I get older? I want to be a fisherman, which I'm not judging you if that's what you want to be now, because times are different now. But back then, it was kind of like, and I, I mean this, I'm going to say this, I mean this not in a, in a 
putting down way, but I'm just going to kind of call it what it is, kind of how we perceive it. Um, it would almost be like, you know what? You'd be like, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to go across the freeway, and I want to cut broccoli. I want to pick strawberries, right? Like, no one is like, I want to do that. You kind of, you do it because you have to do it. And that's kind of where the fishermen were at. It's a rural, poor area, and, um, but it was a necessary job, right? Just like the people who work across the, the freeway, if they didn't do what they did, we wouldn't eat. So thank the Lord they do what they do. Fishermen back then, if they didn't do what they did, people wouldn't eat. So it was a rural, poor area. And so it's amazing that Jesus, is all, he, he, he purposefully goes to this poor area. Like of all the places he could have gone, all the big cities, he went to this poor spot. And he calls people who were overlooked the, by the world. He didn't go to the temple and say, hey, religious leaders who are really good and you know the whole Bible, you have, every, you have all of it memorized. Back in the day, the religious leaders would have the entirety of the Old Testament memorized. Could you imagine? That's insane, right? I can't memorize like four verses, and they're memorizing the entire Bible, right? So they had the whole thing memorized. And so you'd think if Jesus is like, I need people on my team to help me spread the gospel, to help me like get the good news out to the whole world, you'd think he'd go find the most competent, most educated, most put-together people who knew all their stuff, but he doesn't. He goes to the fishermen who are way out in the middle of nowhere, kind of like Bakersfield. And uh, he goes there. He's like, hey, guys, come and follow me. It says this in verse 17. Jesus calls out to them, come and follow me, and I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And could you imagine being one of those fishermen and be like, what does that even mean? Like, throw it in and you pull up a dead body? Like, what? You know, like, no, like, what the heck? And so, but look at, their, look at their response. They left their nets at once and followed him. Now, could you imagine some guy just walks up to you and is like, hey, come follow me. You can fish for people. And you're like, all right, let's go. And you went home and you're like, hey, Ma, I'm going to go fish for people. And she's like, what is, no, you're going to school tomorrow. Like, it just wouldn't work. But we talked about last week, there was this guy named John who was six months ahead of Jesus, went out and prepared the way for him because John prepared the way for Jesus to come. When these guys saw Jesus show up, they already knew who he was. It wasn't like this big, like, who is this guy? It's like, no, that's Jesus. Like, we, we heard about him. We know he's the Savior. We know he's the Messiah. So we're going we're gonna to jump in. So thank you, John, for doing your work of preparation. A little further up on the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John. So now he's got Simon and Andrew, James and John, and they're in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in a boat with the hired men. I want you to picture this, because this is a, the Bible is not just some made-up book of like stuff that is like, oh, it's a fun story. No, the Bible is real people in real times doing real things. Can you imagine Jesus calls you? You're out there fishing with your dad, and Jesus is like, hey, come follow me. And you've got this moment where you've got to choose between staying in the family business, fishing with your dad, or going with this guy that just showed up, not knowing where he's going or or like what this next town is going to be. Could you imagine being James and John and the tears in their eyes as they left their father and gave up everything they had? They threw a Hail Mary and went all in. If you're a parent, like leaders or people watching online, could you imagine if your son or daughter came to you and said, hey, I, I got to go all in on this. And I need, I need to leave. Like, imagine that moment. Like, if it's a movie, like, the violins are playing and everyone's, like, crying. And, you know, it's like, it's a crazy scene. 
But they were ready for it because John had gone ahead of them and prepared the way. But what I want to say is that though these guys were poor and they were fishermen, there was an incredible detail that I need you guys to hear is that these people that Jesus called were most likely, like almost certainly, teenagers. If you've been around for any length of time, you've heard me say this before. Here's how I know. One, their stage of life. Two of the homeboys are still fishing with their dad. They're fishermen. And a lot of times that was kind of the job you ended up in, but it also was like, hey, if you, when you got started out in your career, you just started as like a fisherman. That's, that's what you did. And there's another part of scripture that goes on to say that later, as Jesus is walking around with his disciples and they're doing their ministry, they go to the temple. And what you had to do in the temple back then was to get in, you had to pay the temple tax. And the law was, if you are over 20, you have to pay the temple tax. If you are under 20, you just do what you want to do. The Bible only documents Jesus and Peter paying the temple tax and no one else. So there's heavy, heavy evidence that the disciples were likely teenagers, which is crazy because I bet a lot of you, if you hadn't heard this before, believed when you picture a disciple, you're like, you know, oh, if you, especially if you go to like St. Joe's, like St. John or St. Jude, right? You think, oh, these big beards and these, no, like they probably look like you. So Jesus was one of the first youth pastors, the first youth pastor. And so if you're a youth leader here, what's up? Okay, like this is a real deal. What's incredible to me is that Jesus could have gone, maybe should have gone, to the temple and picked the guys who knew the whole Bible, who had everything. They have been they've grew up in the faith. They, they practiced what they preached. They did their things, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, he goes to poor fishermen, teenagers, and he trusts the entirety of his plan for saving the world into their hands. If you're a teenager, and most of us are, you were the ones that were given the charge to bring the gospel to the whole world. Of all the jobs, you were given the most important one. So when someone says, you're not old enough, be like, bro, hey. I got a way more important job than whatever I'm trying to do right now. So it makes me mad, one, from my personal experience, but one, when, just because of what I know about the Bible, when, when people tell teenagers that they're not old enough or they're not ready or they don't have everything they need to live out the call, the gospel in their life, it really ticks me off because you are old enough. You have what you need. You are ready. Jesus doesn't call people because they have everything figured out. Jesus calls people who have nothing figured out and then gives them what they need to be able to do what he's asked them to do. Our world outside these doors is broken and dark and gross, and it's getting more broken and darker and more gross today than it was yesterday. And tomorrow than it was, will be today. And what our world doesn't need is another generation of teenagers who believe the lie that you are not old enough, that you are not smart enough, that you don't have what it takes, who believe that the best way to spend your teenage years is playing video games in your mom's basement, who actually get out there and bring the light and the hope and the help of the gospel to a world that isn't going in the right direction. So don't tell me that you are not old enough because if Jesus trusts you with the most 
important work in this entire world, then what can't we trust you with? This is why people ask me, hey, Josh, why do you, why do you hire teenagers on your staff instead of like people who know what they're doing? Well, because Jesus did. Why do we have student leaders? Like, um, why do we have student leaders who, who are like kind of running and doing a lot of the ministry? Well, that's because that's what, that's what Jesus did. Right? So here's the, de- here's the deal. While the rest of the world might expect you to just go to school, do your homework, play video games, do your, do your thing, go to the movies on Friday night, Jesus is like, bro, I don't care what the world expects of you. Let's just throw that out right now. I want to tell you what I expect of you. I'm not saying this because I need you to, to get out there and be like, okay, whoa, 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 Josh says like, he expects us of me. I don't even know who that guy is and what am I supposed to do with it? No. Because Jesus expected teenagers to go and change the world, I expect you to as well. It's not just like, oh, you should go do that. Hey, that's a fun thing. No, I expect you to do it. I trust you to do it. And it's a big job to go out and change the world, right? Like, obviously, everyone who's trying is screwing it up. Because it's not getting any better. So I'm not assuming that you're going to go out there and you're going to run for president and you're going to nail it and it's going to be awesome. No, because we don't change the world like that. The way we change the world is by doing small things as if they were big and by doing big things as if they were small. And the way you jump in is you just start. You just start serving. It doesn't have to be here at church. I'm not talking about you plugging in and serving here at church. If you feel like you want to do that, awesome. It means getting involved in your school. It means getting involved in um, whatever behind-the-scenes stuff happens for your sports team. It means getting involved in your community. It means showing up and, and doing things that people need. It means asking your neighbor how you can serve them and love them or going to the little old lady across the street and being like, hey, I know you got no one helping you out here, so what can I do? This is what changed the world one day at a time. Doing these small things and just trusting that because we serve a big God, he's going to turn them into big things. My wife used to work out here. Um, she was the student ministry admin for a while. If you come on Sunday, we have this little table out there. We call it the student ministry table. It's out there on the plaza. And if you ever are here on Sunday and you take sermon notes from Jim's sermon and you bring them to the table, I'm going to give you a card that says, hey, go get a free drink or coffee from the coffee shop. Just shameless plug. So, uh, but you got to be a teenager like Heather, don't. Um, so, <laughs> so the other, uh, the one day at the table, like week after week after week, we're out there and we're just available. And a lot of times we talk to some new people. A lot of times we talk to no new people. Sometimes we're like, why am I out here? Sometimes we're like, this is awesome. Jill had been out there for like years running over that table every single Sunday. And she, she came home one day. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this table thing anymore. It's just like, she's introverted. And if you're introverted, you know what it's like to walk into a crowded place and, and everyone wants to talk to you. You're like, oh no, Right. And so Jill's introverted. She didn't want to necessarily like be out there. She loves people, but it's just it's a lot for her every Sunday to do that. And we talked about doing the small things as if they were big, because you never know what God's going to do with them. Well, guess what happened? A couple weeks later, Jill met these random people. Their name were Jeff and Jackie Banta. I don't know if you know them. Um, what they got into talking, had a conversation. Come to find out that they were gifted in uh, in special needs, like ministering to the special needs community. And long story short, 
they actually wound up starting and running a special needs ministry here at our church on Sunday mornings. And it was the Holy Spirit, of course, but it was because Jill showed up every Sunday doing little things as if they were big and just serving however she was asked to serve. God used that. And now we're loving and serving and blessing um, a lot of special needs families. They're not meeting right now because they're still in the middle for them. COVID hit them a little bit harder. Um, but man, we're loving on these families and we're making a difference for them as well. Uh, if you're going to Shaver Lake this weekend, it's because there was a young adult who came to our young adult ministry and was like, hey, I've got a great idea for a, a trip because, hey, my family goes on this trip. You ever want to consider maybe bringing some youth or young adults up there? And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. And the reason we go to Shaver Lake is because a young adult came here and just thought, you know what? I want to serve somehow, and I want to just do what I can. And so we got to talking, and now we're bringing 80 of us to Shaver tomorrow, uh, Friday because of the faithfulness, someone doing something small, and just letting God do the rest. Friends, I'm not asking you to go out and to preach from the, the lunch tables or to do whatever that uh, might require. I'm not asking you to go out and run for president or governor or anything like that. Um, what I'm asking you to do is to just show up, to just say, Jesus, I know you trusted teenagers to change the world then, and I, I know you're trusting them now, so I'm here. I'm ready. This is the most important calling, bringing the gospel to your corner of the world, doing the small things, and in so doing, changing the world and getting involved. We're going to do a lot of service projects this year. We want to get our whole youth group aligned around serving. If you want a, a special window into maybe how to do that, we've got a new text line that's set up. You can just text SERVEFCC to the number 94000, and we will let you know whenever there's opportunities to serve. You just text it, boom, and we'll be like, hey, little old lady, Needs her weeds pulled. Uh, she can't do it herself because her back's broken. Also, she's old, right? So, and we'll call, we'll be like, hey, come on, meet us Saturday morning. Let's go do this thing. If you want to join, there's how to do that. And then what we're going to do tonight in our life groups, <coughs> sorry, leaders, this is a surprise to you, but we talked about this at our vision night. Uh, there's, what we want to do this year is we want to we take an organization in our community and we want to adopt it. And we want to bless it, we want to love it, we want to serve it. So the two that we're looking at right now, and we need you to choose, because I'm trusting this choice to you. I'm not going to just pick it and say, this is what we're doing. I'm trusting this choice to you guys. There's two. One, Central Coast Rescue Mission is an organization in our town that loves <coughs> and serves, I, like choked on dust or something, it's not good, loves and serves and blesses the homeless community. They do food distribution. They run a thrift store. The, process, the proceeds from the thrift store go to bless the homeless community, and they take care of people. They help them transition out of homelessness. You can look up more on your phones when you go, oh, my gosh, thank you, Ethan. He wins cup games, and he, well, you didn't win, sorry, but you brought me water, so thanks. <laughs> Central Coast, now, now I'm choking on the water. Life is so hard, guys. Central Coast Rescue Mission, you can look, look it up on your phone, talk through it tonight in your life group. It's an amazing organization. There's another one in our, our town called Angel Tree. And what they do is there are a lot of kids in our town who one or both parents are in prison. And they need people to come and just love on the kids that are, that are around. And so 
there's opportunities for us to love on them. Um, we can do like we can throw like special parties for them here and do like <clears throat> trunk or treats or Christmas parties for them and maybe like invite them into our life and just do like cool stuff and just like give presents to them at Christmas time and really be a blessing to a kid who doesn't have a parent because their parents in prison. So couple opportunities there. Look up Angel Tree, look up Central Coast Rescue, and then tonight in your life group, as you get in the conversation, kick that around. Like, hey, do you feel like you feel a little more passionate towards homeless ministry? Or, or maybe, hey, kids whose parents are in prison. And then have your life group pick one. As a life group, you guys are going to vote on one, and then I'm going to tally all the life group votes, and we're going to, as, an, as a student ministry, adopt an organization. We're going to get to know the people, the leaders. We're going to learn how we can serve them. And in so doing, we're going to show up and we're going to do the little things for them, trusting that God's going to do the big things with it. I want to leave you with this. I'm out of time. I've got 20 seconds left. People are going to tell you to just wait until you are older. Jesus is telling us and is asking us to just start now. You, friends, you are not the world changers of tomorrow. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. The world is waiting for a generation to rise up and to say enough of the darkness that is out there. Enough of the division that is out there. Enough of the, the issues that are going on out there. I'm willing to show up and to just do whatever it takes. You think the disciples knew what they were doing? No. Think I know what I'm doing? No. But I'm here. Talk to your leader. Talk to me. We want to get you involved. We want to find ways for you to serve. And if it's not here, get involved in your community in your school, and uh, in so doing, hey, let's, let's change the world. Yeah. Let's do it. Why not? Why not? Right? Why not? Right, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing those, one more song. <clears throat> I'm having problems. We're going to sing one more song, and then we're going to go to life groups. Father, thank you for this night. Your word's not mine. If I said anything that was just, uh, I made that up, I pray we would forget all that. Anything that is of your will and your word and your heart, I pray that we remember those. As I spoke to ears, God, you speak to hearts. So I pray that uh, you just give us the motivation, the opportunity to go change the world. And the reminder that uh, you didn't choose a bunch of old guys who knew what they were doing. You chose a bunch of teenagers who didn't know what they were doing. And uh, we're here today because of them. I pray that 2,000 years from now, there will be people in this world whose lives are changed and forever impacted because of the response of students in this room here today. Praise things in your name. Amen.